This profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Helen Hills Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. Welcome back to episode 100, part two, also yes. known as episode 101. 101. Yeah. I almost named the folder 100 PT2, but I'm like, no, nah, I'll just do it 101 because Bryce is going to yell at me if I don't. I thought I already created 101. Did we double create folders again? Hold on. Did we? we do that sometimes. No, who does that sometimes? Apparently we, because I only have the one. Okay, no, no I must backwards. have imagined. I thought I created 101 before we create, before we recorded 100. But maybe I'm just yeah. imagining it. Maybe you're just drunk. That's possible. It's not possible. <laughs> I've only had an inch <laughs> an inch from this glass um either way you're welcome i made the folder <laughs> for once thank you so much for twice maybe for twice <laughs> and it's not a duplicate so anyways welcome back everyone um episode 101 part two parters for both of us so we got part two to go over and i'm sure you guys are so anxious to hear them too oh yeah they're like chomping at the bit they're like please for the love of god tell us yes actually uh you know i've already told you about this but let's just tell the world about this i get a call from my dad the other day mm-hmm. and he tells me he has his whole office his whole office listening to us oh and, and why is that it's the best reason that anyone can think of. It's because mm-hmm. you and I take shots at my dad. As much as we possibly can. And since he's the boss, mm-hmm. they can't take shots at him. So they are living vicariously through us. So for yes. those of you that work with my dad, I will do my best to continue taking shots at him. But I will say I'm currently grounded. So, you know, new materials always coming up. So see, there you go. I mean, I'm technically grounded as well, but I'm also not good at following directions. So, I mean, neither am I. (laughs) So let's just be real here. I'm grounded. I'm pretty sure I have left my house. What Uh you going to do about it, Dad? Um, Whatever he does, it will be in about four weeks when this this (laughs) comes out. (laughs) Well, no, in four to five business weeks. And there's a holiday next week, so it's going to be even longer. Yeah, there is. There's a holiday. And I am going on a play date with my mom and sisters. So, you know, that that would be outside of being grounded. So, unless it's because I'm with my mom. Wait, I'm confused. You're going on a a play date with your mom and sisters. Where are y'all going to play? We're going to Swiss Days. So we what? It's a fair. It's a fair. Swiss like, days. Swiss days. What is going on in Utah? Y'all are so. Y'all always got like a fair or something going on up there. Oh yeah, in Utah, guys, we have we have a fair every like every city takes turns. I thought this was just like whatever states did it did it. Um, but we have a fair like every week. There's a fair. It's just in a new town. Like they just take turns. Like for where I live. It's like Art City Days or um, another area is like Onion Days or Strawberry Days or... Wait, are you being uh, facetious or are you being like dead ass right now? 
I'm dead ass serious. I thought you were joking. Y'all just. All summer long, there's carnivals. There's fairs and carnivals and fun stuff. Wow, you are so happy. <laughs> we're just down here like, look, it's been so hot. I haven't even checked my mail. Okay, like not this week, but last week. I went like three days without checking my mail. Because it's just that freaking hot. I don't want to leave the carport. I don't even want to leave the house, but I have to. And y'all are just over here partying it up. Yeah, every summer. Every every weekend. Basically, every weekend in the summer, every city just has something going on. I'm flabbergasted. Or one, at least one does. I'm flabbergasted so. right now. And there's like a Scottish festival in the summertime. There's a world folk something festival. There's a ton. Just so it's summer. like, it's not just parties. It's diverse parties. Yeah. We're having parties with everyone. There's something going on. So Swiss days coming up. Um, you know, no big deal. <laughs> well, I'm excited for you now. I expect Snapchats. We'll we'll see if I remember, but yeah. So I don't know though if does it count as being grounded if I'm with my mom? No, she's not grounded. We both know well, she just, ain't grounded. Oh, she's not grounded. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like, if I'm with my mom, am I breaking the groundation rules? Who's driving? Uh, we're probably driving separate. But she's but meeting we're meeting there. each other there. Yeah. Yeah, then no. You have uh you have a chaperone. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not breaking rules. Yeah, it's fine. I and will allow it. Yeah, my dad doesn't have a say. He was also <laughs> not invited to Swiss Days. <laughs> Why that? It's a girls' day. Oh. Uh, also, uh, he was if there's an in sync reunion tour, which is obviously a big if. He was also not invited to that. Somebody has to dog sit. <laughs> well, I and mean, Cody's not invited either. That's another girl's thing. There you go. Somebody has to dog sit. So, we know you can't um, leave your dogs alone, but we know we can't leave Dash alone. Right? Those two brain cells, they're yeah, going to get him in trouble. Oh. He's going to love that we're talking about that. Speaking of, my uh, dad thought it was funny the other day to... Um, to send me and my sister an article. Oh my gosh, there's another thing with Dash that I gotta tell you. So let's start here. So my little sister. Okay. I don't know exactly what happened. I was not there. This was relayed to me. Something happened though. And my little sister and my dad were talking about Dash. And Camille tells him, you know, I think my Bryce might be right about Dash. <gasps> Only having two freaking brain cells. Yeah, I'm right about that. So that girl's going places. She's going places. She knows what's going on. Yes. So there's that. And then my dad texts me and my older sister the other day. And it's like an article about how smart dog, like, how can you tell if your dog is smart? And well, you got to read an uh, article for that. I, let's be honest. I didn't read the article. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, you know, we're going back and forth. And he said something about you guys don't have any good comebacks because you guys know I'm right or something like that. And I said, dad, maybe you're so defensive because dogs tend to mimic their owners. You know, there's studies on that too. Yeah. I sent him an article on that. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, so I'm just saying, Dad, are you so defensive because you feel like we're attacking you or Dash? Or both. Because I think right now it's kind of both. Right now it's both. But <laughs> oh, I feel gonna, like right now double grounded. justified. This is really for your coworkers, Dad. Everyone that works with you, this is my shot at my dad right now. But I just text you a picture because I meant to say, like, I also know dogs that only have two brain cells because I just sent you a picture of mine. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. See, Amanda's an expert. And so I showed her Dash and she instantly knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, like, not that. I was going to say our dogs would get along great, but they won't because my dog's a jerk and he's socially inept. Um, But lots of similarities there. Oh, yeah. So point is, is that don't take it personally, except for right now. (laughs) Right in this moment, you can take it personally, but that moment (laughs) ends now. Okay. (laughs) One, two, three, go. One, two, three, over, done. Okay, cool. But that's my story. That's, um, at least that's my update for today. So anyways, how are you? Uh, pretty good. I got to see my dad actually in the face, in the flesh. In the I, face. I tried. That's a little awkward. <laughs> I tried to say like in the flesh and face to face, and it came out in the face. So I, I don't want to see anyone in the face in any way. <laughs> Too close. I got to see him in, in person. Okay. There it is. Yeah. They they went up to Branson. Him and uh, his girlfriend. They went to Branson. And stopped by on the way back. So we got to have we got to have dinner. We met at a Mexican place. It was really good. He finally admitted that the Mexican food in Arkansas is better than the Mexican restaurants in Alabama, which I have been trying to tell him. And Mississippi. I don't know what it is, but the Mexican food is so much better up here. Seasoning. That's what it is. Yeah, they know how. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had Mexican food in Arkansas or Alabama, so I can't mm-hmm. speak to this. But as a biased opinion, it's probably better in Utah. Oh, okay. Well. But I also have Beto's, so. Yeah, see, I don't have carne asada fries. Yeah, so that's probably where I'm biased, right there. I did get a a tamale, though, and it's pretty good. Tamales? Yeah. Tamales are delicious. It was so good. Unless they're in a fucking can, Amanda. That was one time. And I need you to turn on James because James told me that he, uh, yeah, he was considering getting one the other day, a can tamale. And I was like, I'm going to tell Bryce because she reamed me for those canned tamales. It wasn't just me. There were multiple, multiple of us. I was just the loudest. Multiple. It was two. It, was it doesn't matter. That's multiple. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there were two of us. I was just the loudest. You're making it sound Mess. like I had like I don't the Mexican mafia after me for eating canned tamales that I didn't even you eat. Well, you did too. No, I didn't finish them. I threw them out. They were disgusting. They were not good. But you I did ate try at them. Least one. Well, yeah, because I'm paid texting for James them. right now. <laughs> He's asleep, but he'll get it when he wakes up. Anyway, uh, we had a great dinner. With a real tamale. Yes, with a real tamale. It was it was really good. The dinner was good. Um, 
my dad apologized at the end because he gave Annie sweet tea and he was like, I think she started getting a little rowdy. And I'm like, no, that's just her. She's just rowdy. Yeah. Like you don't, that wasn't the sweet tea. That's my child. That's just the natural sugar in her blood. What are you like? What are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Like anything to that. She can take care of that herself. (laughs) She is an independent little girl. She doesn't need you to provide her a sugar rush when she can just do yeah. that naturally. Exactly. She's got the natural high. It's horrible. Yeah. But he finally got to meet Jack, too. Oh, he hasn't met Jack yet? Mm-mm. That would make sense. No. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, like, you know, force my stepchild to go down to Alabama for Christmas and meet, what, 12, 16 people he's never met before. That's awkward, so... Mm-hmm. But he got to meet my dad, and in Branson, they got the kids' gifts. So, like, Annie got a shirt, um, a book, and then he got, like, me slash Annie a dream catcher that's in the shape of a boon. And then for Jack, he got him a slingshot. And when we got back in the car, Jack was like, I like your dad. And I'm like, well, good. I'm glad. And he's like, yeah. He's given me two weapons so far. And I'm like, okay. <clears throat> that sounds about maybe right. Maybe you need to have a little discussion with your dad like that. What he's focused on is the weapons. Let's throw it back. Maybe next time we get the ammunition instead of a weapon. <laughs> well, he gave him that too with the BB oh, gun okay. for Christmas. Yeah, he gave him the BB gun, the and the BBs and targets. So I guess with the slingshot, you know, you could just use rocks. So I don't, I don't know what's coming this Christmas. A bow and arrow? I don't know. Just... I don't know that you want to. Yeah, tell me so I can. There's four parents here, okay? We're just half. Tell me so I have time to ask the other two if it's cool. Also, maybe maybe don't buy it until I give you the all good. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure Jack's uh, <laughs> other set of parents may may not like all these weapons. They're like, oh God. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they understand how country my dad is. And that's what I told Jack. I was like, Jack, my dad's really country. <laughs> He's just. To the moon and back country. Yes. M- more than that. To the moonshine and back country. Yeah. He might not make it back from the moonshine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? Well, um, I'm good. It's been a long week. I, before this, Amanda heard my my bitch session so it's all good um i think what's coming up what's going on i already told you i'm doing swiss days this weekend i'm excited getting a little a little a little tipsy good Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say tipsy yet like this was only two like here at most i didn't feel it all the way like there okay your finger was just in two completely different (laughs) spots so like i said it did not go here it was more like right here like two inches down y'all hear that earlier she said my inch now we're at yeah the cup tapers at the bottom so it gets a little skinnier so it's less and less (laughs) oh okay (laughs) if i ever get pulled over after leaving the bar that's gonna be my excuse the cup tapers at the bottom so i didn't drink that much i'm just saying my inches they don't mean as much as i get closer to the bottom Jesus. I think they still mean much. <laughs> Listen, you can judge all you want because I know that's what you do on a daily basis, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to keep drinking my inches of margarita. Any I mean, who, 
<sighs> well, are you ready to talk no. about Instagram and Twitter and Facebook? Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Instagram and X and Facebook and all the stuff. That, yes. We can talk about that. I'm ready to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Well, we do post all of our pictures on Instagram. X. Ugh, X. If you guys have listened, you know that we hate that. So dumb. Stupid. So stupid. Anyways, and Facebook. So Instagram, Facebook, Helen Hills podcast for the handle. Is that what this is called? That's how you yes. find it. Helen Hills podcast. X is Helen Hills pod because they cut me off. And then we do have our Discord or Patreon. Our emails up, uh, email Helen Hills podcast at gmail.com. Um, anything else I'm missing? Or are you ready to finish the story? Because let's be honest, I'm drinking because of this story. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to finish the story because I'm already looking at the pictures. I'm so uncomfortable. Try reading about it. So <laughs> how about instead of you read about it, I'll just tell you about it. I prefer that. Cool, cool, cool. So, part two of the Turpin Children, the Turpin case. So, last week, if you guys didn't hear last week, maybe just go back to episode 100 and listen to that. But we left off on not a great note. We knew that the children were already hungry, malnourished. They were, I mean, dirty, living in just filth. Awful. Okay. So... Today we are going to talk about their rescue, where some of them are today, and then unfortunately how the system failed them. Fucking. There's that. But where we left off, like I said, kids are living in squalor. Their parents aren't even there for four years. Like their dad just drops off bare minimum, not even bare minimum groceries. He drops off groceries and children are eating mustard and ketchup packets and grass and leaves just to stay alive. And so we also know that David and Louise at this time, while they are in Texas, are they begin locking their children in cages. Now, in 2010, the family does move to California near Murrieta, I believe is how you say the city name. Now, when they moved here, reports actually state that David and Louise, they really portrayed a life of luxury, right? They were always off doing fun things. They were off... I don't know, swinging with whoever they swing with. I don't really care what they do. They're gambling, drinking, having a great life. When in reality, they're actually declaring bankruptcy at the time in 2010. So they moved to California, declare bankruptcy, but this isn't even the first time they declare bankruptcy. Oh. And they still have two kids with them at this point, right? They're two youngest. Well, when they move to Marietta, they take all of them. So they have 12 oh. all, all over again. Okay. So what Amanda's referring to is the four years where 10 of the Turpin children basically lived in squalor in a trailer, not even in the house, in a trailer behind the house. Um, they did take the two youngest children, David and Louise, who lived in a nice apartment. They took the youngest children with them. Okay. And then yeah, left the other 10. That's what I was thinking. But, of. but they're all unfortunately together again yeah it's unfortunate because of everything but it was also unfortunate they were left as well because yeah. nothing really changed for them while their parents were gone oh. now when they moved to Murrieta, david and louise are still portraying this big happy family their luxurious lifestyle but unfortunately the torture for the children does continue and it also begins to escalate 
David and Louise would actually begin tying up and chaining their children. One child was actually hogtied. And after that child found he could escape, David and Louise didn't like that. And they found a different quote unquote solution. Um, so when they learned that some of their ropes and other ways of tying these children up was not escape proof, they would begin actually chaining up their children. And every source that you'll come across is going to talk about, you know, they would start loosely, but then as they learned, oh, they can wiggle out of this, they would just start tightening and tightening the chains. Or if they learned that they, the child could stand up, they would shorten the chains, things like that. Just not These great. people are just monster. Like, I just, I just can't, I can't wrap my head around why. Why did you want kids to begin with just to treat them like this? Because God told them to. God did not tell you to shit them out and treat them this way. I'm not here to tell you of what he did. I'm just telling you what they did. <sighs> okay. Well, so, they're garbage people. I'm not arguing. I don't even think they're people. They're just garbage. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, whose idea it was initially to chain the children up was unclear. Some reports said it was Louise. Some said it was David. But most reports stated that it was David's idea. He wanted to just chain them all up. Chain them all, they're fine. Louise reportedly would tell him, no, we'll only chain up the quote-unquote suspects. Now, if you don't remember from last week, the suspects are any of the children who basically did something to tick David and Louise off with their short tempers, which could be literally eating. <laughs> like, yeah, eating like, how dare you? Them. How dare you try to eat? So, things like that. Now, even with all this torture, like I said, David and Louise are still portraying this big, happy family, and they would on occasion take the kids out for outings. Louise was reportedly obsessed with Disney. She just loved it so much. They even had a custom license plate that referred to Disneyland. It was like V-Land or something. Um, they also, by the way, had a second custom license plate that was like D and L forever or something stupid like that. What? Yeah. D and what? David and Louise, D for David, oh. L for Louise, forever, or something stupid. I don't remember the exact license plate, because I didn't care, because it was stupid all around, yeah. because they're stupid. So, like I said, Louise loves Disney, and reports said that Louise and David had season passes to Disney when they moved to California, but, I mean, logically, the children don't. They're chained up, tied up in their right. house. But when they do take the children out, they always photograph this big, happy family. Like, everyone's smiling, look like they're having a great, a great time. It's definitely not what was happening. Now, typically the children who didn't get out of the house, like, they never got out. Unless they wanted to play that big, happy family. They would allow the kids to join. Um, one reports that say this happened also with, like, some Six Flags as well. I don't know how often that happened, but point is, is that's the only time. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, well, at least they had a couple of fun things that they could do. I feel like there's that's worse. Well, there's a couple issues with it. So experts actually talked about how these trips could have been so overwhelming and overstimulating to the children who yeah. were home all the time. They don't know how to socialize with people. They don't know what it's like to be out in these crowds. And all they know is that they're out with their parents in these really busy areas. 
And they're just supposed to play these happy kids. Yeah, they don't even know, like, the basics of survival outside of their home. And now you're just throwing them into a Six Flags? That's terrifying. I don't even like going to Bucky's. And I haven't been treated this way, you know? Right. And so these trips were likely really stressful for the kids because of all of this. And then on top of that, they also have the stress of knowing, like, yeah, this could be fun, but we know what we're going back to. Yeah. Like, it's it's all just a mess. So, in the time that the Turpins lived in California, David and Louise would also renew their wedding vows on at least three occasions. What? Why? And no. Like, I did my vows once. I have no plans to renew. Cody's stuck with what he's got. We've got video evidence. That's all that matters. Yeah, like, we, we got married. Why don't... Why why do I have to remind you? Why do I have to continuously renew my vows? Probably, I don't know. Probably because they're crazy. Like, I know people renew them after, like, a long time. But, like, what? why are y'all renewing your vows? Y'all suck. They apparently really are dedicated to one another. Not their kids, but to one another. Oh, they 100% deserve one another. I'll say that much. Well, the first time... It was just David and Louise. The second time, it was with their 12 children. And the final time was with their 13 children. Haven't talked about the 13th child yet, but we will. Now, unfortunately, every time they did renew their vows, God, I hate saying this. They went to Vegas and had an Elvis impersonator do their renewals. I know someone else that did that. Yeah, don't worry. I did some Googling. It was not at the same chapel that I did my Vegas wedding at or with the same impersonator. So, bada bing, bada boom. How much of a rabbit hole did you go down trying to find that out? Not a very big one. Oh, it was a good I have paperwork. Like, I know what chapel we went to. Like, I booked that a year in advance, guys. This was not me (laughs) eloping, okay? My family was there. Cody's family was there. We just said we're going to Vegas. But it was not hard, I promise. So, boom. Did not do it at the same chapel or with the same impersonator. I'm fine with that. My wedding was better anyways. Done. Now, like, just like in the last episode, we have the same trend where the kids are not really exposed to even their family, their extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Anytime there is any sort of video call, Either one or two children are allowed to be on the call, or none at all. In 2012, Louise's father, who wanted nothing more than to meet all of his grandkids, he was actually denied a visit. He had just retired. He reports stated that he flew out to California thinking, oh, it'll be a fun surprise. Calls Louise while he's at the airport, and she's like, go home. So he's denied and he would never meet his grandkids. Oh, God, love him. In 2014, the Turpin family would move again, but this time they go to Paris, California. The neighbors in Paris, they would describe the family again as odd and reclusive. A lot of them claim to have not even known there were children in the house. Like, there's kids there? We have no idea. And the neighbors noted that the children did look thin and pale, but no one would ever report anything to authorities. Neighbors that interacted with any of the children would say that the kids never speak unless spoken to, and they often described it as like the kids' only defense was just to be invisible. 
Like they didn't know what to do, just try to hide. Oh God, that's heartbreaking. In 2015, David and Louise would welcome their 13th child, Jana. Now, if you don't remember, all of the kids' names start with the letter J. So they have not broken that. I do want to say some articles said that all of their names rhymed as well. And I can't figure out how they rhyme. I don't think that's accurate. Jana and Jessica and Joshua and Jordan. Like, they don't rhyme. They have alliteration because of the J's. But I don't. So they welcome Jana. And just to note, this is like a nine-year age gap between the youngest two. They were unable oh. to conceive for that nine years, and then Jana came along. In 2016, both of Louise's parents would pass, not together, separately. And Louise, actually, on both occasions, she would refuse to speak or Skype with any of her family while her parents were on their deathbeds. She would refuse to return to Princeton, Virginia, West Virginia, to attend the funerals. She basically claimed it's going to be too hard to get all 13 kids there. Like, it's going to be too hard to travel with 13 kids. I mean, yeah, I, I imagine that would be expensive. Valid. However, who said the kids had to go? True. She was a stay-at-home mom, right? Yes. Okay, maybe that was her excuse. I don't know. And I say she excuse was, because I don't feel like she really wanted to be there. She was a shitty at-home mom, if we're going to be honest. She She basically didn't mom. She just stayed at home. She was home. Yeah. Now, they continue doing their thing, David and Louise. They have their 13 child. Again, it took them 9, 10 years to have this child. Even after their 13th child, David and Louise would tell their family openly that they had plans for a 14th child. Stop. What Stop. are y'all doing? Well, I mean, I they know what you're doing, but why are you doing it? Because God told them to have more, apparently. I don't know. They just, they keep having them. No, at this point, it's not God. You're schizophrenic, okay? Okay. No, ma'am. Well, I know I said I don't know, but I actually do know what their plans were. Because. Uh, what, have a their, freaking football team? Not quite. Their family planning might have been because David and Louise Turpin had idolized shows like Kate Plus Eight, 19 and Counting, oh, or God. other reality tv shows with large families they wanted to eventually have their own reality tv show some of their extended family claims that these aspirations are what caused the family to move to paris so that they were closer to hollywood um so their desires to have kids was just so they could get rich and famous and use the kids to their benefit how they were going to do that on tv i don't i don't know that's what I was going to ask, because how, how are you going to, you're just going to treat the children differently on TV, on too? Are you going to have a whole separate house? Like, what, what is, what's your plan here? That's likely what the plan had been, is, you know, what when, when we get our TV, this is speculation from my end, and this is just pure speculation, but when we get our TV show, Louise, David, we're just going to, we're going to treat it like a normal family. When the cameras leave, we can just go back to the norm. These people are disgusting. Yeah, they kind of suck. This is stupid. They just, they're so they're dumb. Crazy. They are crazy. Now, 
we already know torture and neglect with this family is just escalating. And it, it just, by 2018, it's just escalated. The children, by this time, are living nocturnal lifestyles. Because that's what they're forced to do. They would all sleep for the majority of the day. Some sources stated 20 hours of the day they would be forced <gasps> to sleep. Oh, my God. And I know you guys didn't see that, but I did do air quotes around sleep because nobody actually sleeps for 20 hours of a day. Now, it very nocturnal. They were being tightly chained to their beds when they were in trouble. They were not allowed to exercise. In fact, they were supposed to sit at night so no one saw them through like the windows. They weren't supposed to walk around. They were only fed once a day, all of them surviving off of a meal of either a peanut butter or bologna sandwich or a frozen burrito and maybe some chips. So they're basically, they're not even existing. They're barely existing. I don't know how any of these kids stayed alive as long as they did. Oh my God. Some of the older kids had become known as hall monitors they would often watch the food to make sure none of the younger siblings would steal anything they would tell on their siblings if they did something wrong now before anyone says anything about these older siblings or these hall monitors you have to remember that the older siblings if they didn't do as they were told they would be the ones punished yeah like they were in an arguably worse situation um because I, I can't imagine the guilt that comes with that. Right. So the older siblings, like, they have very difficult decisions to make. Because they're all, they're trying to survive themselves. But they also don't want to harm their little siblings. Like, that's right. that's not their intention. But they, they have to be able to, you know, do what they need to do. And they're living through this, too. You know, they're just as hungry. And to be, to have to deny your siblings food when you know exactly how they're feeling. That's. Right. Oh. And very few of the siblings ever really left the house. And when they did, they were always accompanied by Louise, who would have like a very close watch on them. There are reports that one of the older siblings was actually allowed to go to college for some time. It, oh. I believe it was a music program. But basically, every single day, Louise and him would go to school. She would stand outside of the classroom and wait for him. And then they would immediately leave oh she has lost her mind yep and some reports stated as soon as josh was like hey there's this girl in my class she wants to be friends is that okay louise was like yeah sure and then he never continued school he wasn't allowed to at that point so oh my gosh and then i imagine nobody else did either no one else went to school to be honest <sighs> So, like I said, very close watch on them every time they went out. And if they did go out and Louise let them go, it was like one or two, maybe three on like a good day. Now, they were still only permitted to bathe once a year. They were still forced to live in filthy clothes. And if they ever got like new clothes, nice clothes that they were allowed to wear the moment they got back to the house they were forced to change into their dirty clothes Ugh. yeah so there's that dave and louise they this to me is like a mental torture that they're doing they would regularly buy pies goodies whatever leave them out 
would not allow the children to touch them. If they did, they would get in trouble. They would allow those goodies. Typically, you saw this example with pies. They would allow them to sit out and rot, just mold until they just threw it away. Okay. First of all, you are in bankruptcy. You need to be much more. You are in multiple bankruptcies. You need to be much more careful with your money. Secondly, what is wrong with them mentally? Did anybody ever do any psychological exams or anything? Yeah, we'll talk about it. At least for Ugh. Louise. Well, she's now, the. That's she, not. I was gonna say she's the crazy one. I feel like they both are, but like in the yeah. in this picture that you have up, she's scary. She's the crazy. Yeah, she's insane. Like her eyes. Oh my god! Everybody, stop what you're Don't. doing. Pull over. Go look at this photo. It's terrifying her eyes don't fucking make eye contact don't make eye contact i can't help it she's staring at me i'm going stop anytime you're in a room alone and you feel like someone's watching you it's that's who's watching you yeah so they wouldn't only do this with pies they did this with toys and clothing just basically anything they could think of they're gonna buy all these nice clothes for their kids they're gonna hang them up Tag still on them. Kids not allowed to touch them. Just, I, I can't. What's the point? And that's what I was going to say. I can't wrap my my mind around this. Now, we've talked a lot about Jordan Turpin. And Jordan Turpin, she would, and when I say we talk a lot, of, we talked a lot about her. That was like last episode. Um, that trend's not going to end. We're still going to talk a lot about her. Jordan Turpin, she would actually go on later in life to tell that her mother once caught her secretly watching a Justin Bieber music video at J. Beeves. And Louise would just fly into a rage. First of all, Jordan wasn't supposed to have the phone. She's not supposed to know really who Justin Bieber is. But Louise would fly into a rage and she would actually choke Jordan. And during uh this time, during this time, Louise is reportedly yelling things like, do you want to die? You want to die? You did like just fucked up shit to her child. For watching a Justin Bieber music video. Let her be a believer. That is unbelievable. This is coming from a family of believers. Dad, I'm outing you. We all know you're a believer. Whether you'll admit it or not, you are a believer. And her mom is just losing her shit. And this Jordan is just terrified, fighting for her life. And you'll you'll hear later that these kids didn't even know, like, Jordan would explain, like, the marks left on her neck. She didn't know what bruises were. She didn't know the word for bruises. Oh, my God. So, you know, real rough. And some reports stated this happened in 2015. So Jordan got caught watching this video in 2015. And by the time of this report, Jordan had already come to find a lot of inspiration from Justin Bieber's music and his videos. She would have been around 13, 14 at the time. So it makes sense. JB's her teenage heartthrob at the time. <laughs> Get a girl. But she describes kind of seeing him and that the, the videos he would post would inspire her. And kind of she'd be like, this, how we're living isn't right. Look at his clean house. Look how he has friends. Look how he's allowed to go outside. And so she would see all these kids in clean clothes, nice houses. And she's like, I know there's better for us. Now, also during this time, the children, they would still kind of band together because David mm-hmm. and Louise, they couldn't have full control of the house when they left. They still had enough control that the kids never attempted to leave. But when they went to like Disneyland, the kids didn't necessarily stay in their room. 
So often when David and Louise would leave the kids, the kids would come out. And a lot of them reported, like, they didn't, first of all, they did not have an education. That's not, they did not get educated at all. Yeah, they weren't allowed to go to school. So, oh, I'm sorry. They were homeschooled. Quote, unquote, homeschooled. Yeah. So it talked a lot about, or you'll often see reports that talked about the kids would actually come out and they would just try to teach each other new things that they knew. And let's remember the oldest child only had a third grade education. Oh God. Like that's where she was pulled out of school. I'm not saying she didn't know more, but that's when she was pulled out. Right. So they would talk about helping one another learn things just as simple as the fucking alphabet. One of them, 12, 13 years old, would talk about how her sister had just gotten her to the letter I or something to that effect. Where, she, like, I finally got up to here in the alphabet. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they were doing this kind of themselves. Very minimal help from their parents. Jordan would sure. actually describe how she would expand her own vocabulary by watching JB's interviews and hearing what he said. So she's a believer to the fullest. And you know what? Love it. Did she ever meet him? According to the reports I found, yes. Good. Okay. Some of the siblings, they would actually go on and they would put concerts on for the younger siblings while the parents were away. And Jordan, she kind of explained, like, I was just trying to keep, like, hope for my siblings. Like, there's more to it. There's more to life than this. Right? Oh, my God. I want them to know that there's more. In 2018, the family was planning a move to Oklahoma. David's job had relocated them to Oklahoma and they're going to spend one last holiday in Paris. Now during the holiday seasons many of the reports talked about that the treatment of the children would overall become better kind of like a reward because everyone's you know it's a holiday season and so it was often talked about like this is our good treatment and Again, this is another mental thing. Like, they know they're going back to being tortured. They know. So they're going to enjoy the good, the quote-unquote good treatment while they can. But they also are very much aware of what they're going back to. I need to know what this good treatment is. Because I feel like it's not going to be happy, merry Christmas. It was less being chained up. More, some reports stated they would get a little bit more food. Like, be fed a little bit better. Just simple things that's disgusting and what makes me even more upset about this is the fact that david and louise would regular this is going back to the food they would regularly eat out talked about they would always have jersey mics and all this other fast food and go out bring it home eat and then feed their child their 12 13 children a fucking frozen burrito did they eat it in front of the kids Oh, fuck yeah, they did. Oh, my God. Just because the kids knew things like Jersey Mike's. They know what it is. But they never had any. Anyways, uh, I won't focus on that. So in the weeks prior to Christmas in 2017. Yeah, weeks prior to Christmas in 2017, three of the Turpin children, they just became so hungry. They would sneak some of Louise's food or candies. Some reports said food, some said candies. And they were unfortunately caught. And for them stealing food, they would be chained up for weeks. They would be chained. Forced to watch their other siblings, quote unquote, enjoy the good treatment. Did they still get to eat when they were chained up? Yes. 
they were still allowed to eat. So basically when they were chained, it was like a, you are unchained, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, eat, get back in there and chain. That's at least how I understood that. Because they weren't always all chained up. Like some of them were just like in their room hanging out. But these three are forced to, um, to just watch as they're just miserable. They're all already miserable. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. On January 14th, 2018, Jordan Turpin, she would finally execute her, execute, execute her two-year plan to escape and save her siblings. She had heard her parents talking about them moving, and it was mentioned that everyone was going to be chained up. And that was supposed to be happening the next day. Oh. So Jordan had been able to get a hold of an old cell phone. It was a deactivated cell phone that one of her older siblings kind of gave to her. Jordan had met some people online who would be like, no, 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 ma'am. What you are going through is not normal. You need to get help. Call someone. And so she kind of has started building this online presence in the sense of like, hey, I have these friendships here. She had like her support system. Yeah. And she had also kind of posted some different videos of her singing on YouTube that were like songs that she wrote. They're really sad songs. Um, we won't get into it just because I forgot to write it down, if we're going to be honest. But it's fine. I forgot to write the lyrics down. <laughs> but point is, is she just, she kind of started this life and she was getting this encouragement. She had learned enough to know that the phone would still work to dial emergency services, even though it was deactivated. Like, that's yeah. what she had learned. And granted, she didn't know that would work for sure, but that's kind of the hope she clung on to. And Jordan didn't plan this alone. She had at least two other sisters that planned this with her. Uh, I'm sorry, at least one other sister that planned this with her. And so Jordan, she would leave through the window. And one of her sisters would actually follow. I believe it was Jolinda that would follow, but most sources refer to her as the 13-year-old. But they leave through the window. And then I also know that Jennifer, the oldest Turpin sibling, helped plan the escape. It's not clear if she was supposed to leave with with Jordan or not. Mm -hmm. But the plan was that three of the girls were supposed to leave. The one that followed Jordan, and it's based on videos, it doesn't seem like Jordan knew she was being followed by this sister. But she would end up, turn this sister would end up turning around and going back. Jordan, she gets out. She just she just goes she doesn't know where she's going she doesn't know anything it talked about i watched one documentary that talked about jordan and jennifer kind of jennifer drew this very rudimentary map of the streets for jordan trying to say like i think this is here and this is here and just trying to give her some idea of where to go and jordan she leaves she's terrified she continues and she does get some ways away from the house and she does dial 911 she would tell the dispatcher that her and her siblings were being abused and chained up by her parents. This is the video that I showed you last week. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the edge of my seat right now. I'm like literally chewing my lips. She would tell the dispatcher the house in the, the or the smell in the home was just so strong and putrid that sometimes she couldn't breathe. She just, she couldn't breathe. She would also tell her that two of her sisters and one of her brothers was currently chained up. And that she had pictures. And when asked for her address, she was actually unable to provide the address at first. Some reports stated that she had taken an envelope with the home's address with her. 
And when asked, she actually read the zip code. Oh, she doesn't know what the the well, street number is. She, yeah. she doesn't know anything about it. So the responding officer finally gets to Jordan. She they kind of going back and forth. And he actually ends up asking her, do you have any pictures? And she's like, yes, yes, I do. And she shows pictures of her siblings that are chained up, at least two pictures. As well as a couple pictures of the condition of the home. And police are like, um, oh, shit, <laughs> this is pretty, this is looking pretty serious. So, of course, police go and they conduct a welfare check. Mm-hmm. Now, you can find some clips of the body cam footage here and there in the initial welfare check. So you can actually see David and Louise's initial reactions to police. You can also find some body cam footage of the responding officer who would first make contact with Jordan. By the way, he deserves fucking a raise rewards. He handled that situation so well. He was so calm. Like, he knew what to ask her. Great reaction there. So if you want to see all of that just in one place, I'm going to recommend watching 2020 Escape, uh, the 2020 episode Escape from House of Horrors with Diane Sawyer. That was really good. I've added to Google now. It did have Jordan and Jennifer Turpin on that episode. So now the the best thing ever for me, David and Louise's reactions when they opened the door to police, they're, they look so stupid. And I love their stupid faces in the sense that they looked so stupid. In that moment, they looked so stupid. So according to the body cam footage, police would actually knock on the door to the Turpin home for over two minutes. They're just at like 730, oh. 7.30, 7.30 in the morning. What took and so long? Were they just not awake or were they trying to, were they panicking? We'll talk. We'll talk. Okay. So David and Louise, they are putting on this front that they're like, well, why are the police here? What's wrong? And, oh God, I hate them. So what's great about this is because police are doing a welfare check, Guess who doesn't need a warrant to enter the home for the state of California or I believe any state? It's a welfare check. Love it. They were able to enter without delay. So they basically said, look. Because that's their reasonable, what, reasonable cause. Right. That's their, that's all they need. So police basically are like, look, guys, we're here because someone called in that there's abuse, blah, blah, blah. Some child said they ran away. Obviously, the police have Jordan in their custody at this point, right? Like, she's with them in one of their cars. Part of this is because she also had to point out the house. Because she was like, I don't know the fucking address. Yeah. Um, But this is about two hours after Jordan had escaped. So, like, they're, they're starting this. So, police, when they enter the home, they're shocked. The home is a literal shit show. They've got boxes, unopened toys, literally everywhere. These are toys that the children were not allowed to open or play with. There were piles of garbage, moldy food, moldy clothes, dead pets, human excrement, feces on the wall and floors. And they also found 12 malnourished children because the 13th was already with them. Now, you asked, why did it take two minutes for them to answer the door? Mm Well, it's because they were scrambling 
because they knew police were there, they were trying to unchain children. They were trying to buy time. They basically said, go unchain everyone to one of the older siblings. And that's that's kind of where they were. Now, even though they scrambled to unchain all the children, to police's horror, they did find one child that was still chained to his bed. Oh, God. Two of them did appear to have just been unchained, and the chains were haphazardly hidden in the closet. So, let's just say not great. Yeah, I was going to say, oh. if you've been chained up for weeks, I'm sure there there's going to be some kind of, of tell. There's going to be marks. There's going to be, you know, something. They're filthy, Amanda. Oh, God. You could see their skin where the the chain was and then just yeah. dirt. Oh, the God. Their, they're filthy. Police are just, they're like, what in the actual fuck is going on here? And all of the kids, they're filthy. They all reeked. They were all visibly covered in dirt. They all appeared to be very frail. They all, most of them appeared to have some sort of bruising on their arms. And all of the kids were so small and malnourished that police believed at the time they were all under the age of 18 years old. So. And and the oldest was how old? 29. Oh my gosh. I thought you were going to tell so, me like early 20s, not 30. No, oh my God. 30 years old. So let's just talk a little bit. So series of events, right? Police come in. David and Louise are freaking out. They're like, oh, don't mind the mess we're moving. Police are just trudging through fucking trash, right? Mm-hmm. They they first find the two girls that they believed had been chained, that had just barely been unchained. They find all the other kids as well. And then they realize a room like in the kind of towards the front of the house that they first passed. And first of all, they had to tell Louise to stop following them. Go back to the front and hang out with the other police officers, please. But they end up finding a room. And this is the, the one where they found the chained child. And so they see this kid. They're like, we have to get him out. They immediately arrest David and Louise. Hell yeah. Right? Because what the fuck else are they going to do? Like, it's very clearly not a great situation yeah yeah all signs are pointing to abuse neglect david and louise are leaving like they're being marched out of the house and the police are like asking them where's the key and they're like oh ask the older children they'll know the older kids are like it's in this drawer right here it's in i believe it was david and louise's bedroom and this fucking room is just piled with junk so much so you wouldn't even notice Jana, the youngest sitting in the corner like she was in like a little playpen yeah you wouldn't have even seen her had you not known she was there oh and they they do end up finding the key releasing the boy um just absolutely awful in addition to all of what they've already found they also have kind of a kind of a great piece of evidence that they were able to pull away because for whatever the fuck reason David and Louise always encouraged their kids to keep fucking journals. So they were able to read all of the shit that the kids that could keep a journal, they were able to be like, oh yeah, that's that's fucking shitty that they did that. But great for us. We've got all this fucking evidence of these journals that David and Louise had you guys keep works for police. 
I bet it's so they could go back and read the shit that they did to these kids. It's it's not for the kids. I know it can't be. It's got to be because they're stupid and they can read what they did in their kids' own words. Jesus. They're the worst. But police were able to collect all of those journals as evidence as well. So I just wanted to call that out. Like, in their stupidity, thank God they're stupid. But their stupidity they were like yeah please keep these journal children of what we're doing to you like no don't do that shit to your kids go ahead and encourage them to keep journals but don't fucking abuse and torture your children anyways so i already mentioned like this kind of came as a shock to the neighbors like the neighbors in paris they were like we didn't know that there were even children in that house or even that there were that many the only time that they saw them was late at night and possibly through a window so this is just another thing I want to mention. Police, when they're getting the kids out, they also found the family's two Maltese terriers and the dogs were in better physical condition than the kids. What? Uh-huh. The dogs. Like better physical condition, being fed better, cared for better, better physical condition than the children. So that would come out from police. Police pictures would later be released, which depicted just dirty carpets, doors with scratches on them, a fucking heap of disasters, beds with chains on them. Just, it's awful. Now, we talked about some of the Turpin children being over the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Amanda, seven of them were adults. Oh, God. So the six Turpin children under the age of 18, they would all be transported to Riverside University Hospital System. The seven adult children were taken to Corona Regional Medical Center for treatment. And the kids' ages at the time of rescue. Jennifer, she was 29 years old at the time, and she weighed just 82 pounds. Oh, my gosh. So small. Uh, Joshua Turpin... Cody's providing me more booze. Hold on. <laughs> Fill her up. Uh, no, I was kidding. I was kidding. He filled her up. <laughs> That's because it tapers at the bottom. So Joshua Turpin, he was 27. Jessica Turpin, 25. Jonathan Turpin, 22. Joy Turpin, 21. Julianne Turpin, 20. Janetta Turpin, 19. Jordan, 17 years old. James, almost 16. His birthday was just a few days later from what I could see. Joanna was 14, Jolinda 13, Julissa 12 years old, and to know on Julissa, some reports stated that her arm circumference was the same circumference of that as a four-month-old baby. Oh, my She's God. 12 years old. Her arm's itty-bitty. Oh, and my when I, gosh. When I looked at it, about four months old, according to Google, that's 14 to 15 centimeters around. How do you even... How do you even treat people to this extent? And then, so Julissa, she was 12, and then Jana, two years old. She was, Jana was the least malnourished of all the kids. She is the only one of the 13 that was not believed to be abused physically. Though it is believed that Louisa began conditioning her by pinching her or hitting her in the head with a pencil. For what? Crying, I assume. Fucking Louise is insane. I don't give a shit who hears it. Louise is insane. And let me just tell you, all of these children, I'm willing to bet, are bigger people than I am. Because I 
I'm I'm gonna be a bitch. Like Louise is she can go rotten hell. Yeah. That's so, too good for her, really. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. Now all of the children would spend two months in the hospital while staff cared for their very unique needs. Mm-hmm. The children were all so severely malnourished. And I don't know how many of you know this, but if you are severely malnourished, they don't just start feeding you whatever the fuck you want. They have to still limit your food. Yeah, it's a process. So while the kids are getting more food, they're not getting what other kids are getting or even adults because not all of them are kids. So the children severely malnourished. Um, Like I said, Jana, she's not as malnourished, but there were signs of it. All or some of the children suffered from things such as heart damage, uh, cognitive impairments, neuropathy, uh, cachexia, and many more different things. The older girls were suspected that a lasting effect from the severe malnourishment would be infertility for the women. I couldn't see anything recently showing that any of the older siblings openly mentioned that they suffer from infertility, but it's also only been five and a half years. I am sure a lot of them are still healing. Oh, God. I imagine so, a lot of them are going to, like, it's, this is going to be the rest of their lives. Uh-huh. <sighs> now, staff, obviously, they're starting to teach the children things. I just want to talk about how isolated these kids were, because it was very apparent, even to police. I know in the video that I showed Amanda last week, which... I will link on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, that it was mentioned during the call that when asked, I believe it was on that call, but when when the operator asked Jordan, is there any medication? Jordan said, what's medication? I don't know what that is. Like, they didn't even know what medication was. In addition, a lot of the kids did not know what police were. They had no concept that someone could come rescue them. And so a lot of these very basic concepts are lost on the kids as a whole because they just don't know. So the hospital staff, they're treating their physical bodies, but they're also starting to help help them learn some of the very basics. So even the hospital was probably traumatic for them. They actually talked about the hospital. Like they grew really close to the hospital staff. Well, yes. First time they've ever shown care. Right, right. So I don't know that the hospital was traumatic it might have started that way but it turned into a very very the kids very much um they were very i don't want to say attached but they were kind of grateful they were kind of i would say very close with the hospital staff like it was very Mm -hmm. hard a lot of reports you'll read the hospital staff even said it was really hard when they left like for all of us because the contact was just cut yeah i just imagine it being scary with them not even knowing what medicine or police officers are. And all of a sudden you're in a hospital with all of these machines and gadgets and people in masks. Right. Well, I will say that all of the reports stated the care of the children, like the doctors was selected very carefully. Mm -hmm. So they tried really hard to find like, Hey, this, this is the doctor. I even believe they went down to like that nurse level to say, hey, these are the nurses. They were kind of a little more isolated. They were given a little more space than other patients may have been, but they needed it. So at that time, they were given the care that they definitely needed with like Nicola, you know, white gloves. Yeah. So kudos to this hospital. Right. To both of them, because there were two. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the charges to David and Louise. 12 counts of torture, 7 counts of abuse of a dependent adult, 6 counts of child abuse or neglect, 12 counts of false imprisonment each. David was also charged with lewd acts against a child under the 14, under the age of 14. I believe we talked about it last episode. There was an incident. You gave me a weird look for that one. Um, there was an incident with Jordan Turpin where she would tell police that that David basically pulled down her pants and made her sit on his lap. Oh, nothing uh, further than that happened because Louise was home. And so they kind of uh, were gone. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, I remember that now. Yeah. It was also stated that he would try to kiss Jordan on the mouth. We don't do that, sir. David Turpin was also charged with perjury. In the time that they had been in California, David had registered two private schools and listed himself as the principal. This is how they did the homeschooling and no one asked. So basically, he registered these two different private schools, which enabled him to do homeschooling. He was the principal, Louise listed as the teacher, and it was made very clear that these children were not getting a fucking education. Wow. He was charged with that perjury. Now, after officially being arrested, they were held on about a $12 million bail. They denied all charges. They were like, no. Ma'am, your child was chained up when police got there. What do you mean, no? All of your children are, and I mean this in the, in the like, it's not coming from a place of hate, but all of your children are grotesquely malnourished. Hate towards Louise. Yeah, how are you just going to sit there and, no, we didn't do that. No, no. So, prior to the trial... The couple would be evaluated by mental health professionals. After the evaluation, Louise's attorney would actually request that Louise be placed in a pre-trial diversion program for treatment. She had been diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder. So very brief overview is it typically describes people with excessive attention-seeking behaviors. And that Uh is according to the American Psychiatric Association. And I'm going to say I hope the judge laughed as he denied the request. Because Perfect. he did deny the request. Perfect. And he denied on the grounds that the Turpins were a risk to the public. Because yeah. now the yeah, the Turpin siblings are now part of the public, right? Um mm-hmm. also, I don't want her getting her hands on another child that's not hers. Uh-uh. She crazy. Uh-uh. Yeah. And this isn't to minimize her diagnosis, but I do agree she's a risk, specifically to children's safety. You yeah. don't know what she's gonna do. Knowing that her children have been taken from her and that was her personality, quote unquote, in the sense that she was so proud to have all these children. You don't know what she's going to do now that she has no access to them. Yeah. And for people that do have, you know, histrionic personality disorder, there there is no judgment towards this disorder at all. This is all this judgment for me is towards specifically Louise because she is trash. Yeah, I was going to say like the. The disorder is not what we're shitting on here. It's no, her. No. After the preliminary hearings and before trial would begin, Louise and David would strike a deal in February of 2019. This would save the children from having to testify, so none of the Turpin children would have to testify against their parents. However, they would be allowed to speak at the sentencing hearing if they would, if they chose to. So charges were reduced, so David and Louise would each plead guilty to 
to 14 felony charges. This is at least one charge for ch per child for each of, each of them. Louise and David would plead guilty to six counts of cruelty to a dependent adult, four counts of false imprisonment, three counts of child cruelty, one count of and one count of torture. Again, 14 total counts each, one for each child. I don't feel like it's enough. I don't. I don't feel like it's enough either. Um, if, God, let me just tell you, reading about some of the trial or the preliminary trial, the pretrial stuff, I wanted to fucking sucker punch all of them so hard. So hard. Oh, there who? were things they were trying to, the attorneys. Oh, okay. Because there were things they were trying to get thrown out. Like there was one example, the attorneys were trying to get the uh, perjury against David removed because that had nothing to do with the abuse. But the judge basically said, no, 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 their lack of education does definitely come into the abuse. They even tried to argue the definition of a dependent adult. Ma'am, you made your children dependent adults. So basically they're like, no, no, no. A dependent adult is someone that like has a disability or something like that. And it's like all of these children all have of been these... made disabled. Yeah. Like mentally like, and physically from the neglect. And emotionally. And emotionally. Like there's so much. Yes. And the judge said, no, no, no. They are dependent adults. They cannot survive on their own. So they are. Yeah. Ahead. They go grasp at straws somewhere else. And I get, I get that it was their job to defend David and Louise, but also how do you sleep at night? Right. I don't know if they did, you know, anyways. So at the sentencing hearing, the children were allowed to speak or have written statements. Uh, Joshua, one of the older children, he would state during his statement that he still had nightmares of him and his siblings being chained up. Ugh. So, and then Jennifer Turpin also did speak at the, the hearing as well. David and Louise were sentenced to life in prison. They do have the possibility of parole after 25 years. If they do get parole after 25 years, Louise should have soared past menopause and she should be unable to bear any more children. So that's fingers crossed. That as a positive. Yeah. Um, experts don't actually believe David and Louise will ever leave prison alive, though. They're like, look, it's a possibility of parole, it's not a guarantee. Yeah, because also in prison, like, people, I know they didn't, even even in prison, people don't like you messing with kids. Right. Right. Yeah. So, it's, it's just so much. So, they are put away in prison, thank God. Bye. So, the seven adult children were placed in housing provided by the state after they were removed from the hospital. While they got necessary treatment at the hospital and they were supposed to be getting necessary treatment while in this kind of temporary housing. The six under 18 were placed in foster care. Unfortunately, there are reports that have surfaced that the minor children would suffer more abuse at the hands of their foster parents. What? Yep. A lawsuit would be filed. It was officially filed in July 2022. It indicates that the old wound couple and their adult child would severely abuse the children physically sexually and emotionally this lawsuit was filed by the turpin siblings and it was a lawsuit against the foster agency that placed the minor turpin children there were two files or two claims filed one to represent the older the two older siblings and one to represent the four younger ones the report states that the foster parents would try to manipulate the siblings into committing suicide they would threaten to return the underage children to their parents 
The children would reportedly be hit in the face with sandals, have their hair pulled, hit with belts, struck in the heads, forced to eat excessively, and then if they vomited, they would be forced to eat the vomit. The foster father was accused of sexually assaulting the children in different ways. The children were reportedly forced to recount the tortures that David and Louise had put them through, and they would be forced to do this for hours at a time. The reports also stated that the foster agency that placed the children knew that the foster parents were unfit. They had a previous history of abusing and neglecting children in their care. In total, the Turpin children were in their care for what I could find said a total of three years. The accuracy of this I am unsure of. A representative of the children would state that they were more emotionally abused in foster care than in their previous home. They were re-traumatized and their situations were made just so much worse from that. What the fuck? So this is where I'm saying that three years where reports say they were in the foster care, foster families care for three years seems off because the foster family was arrested in 2021. Charges include false imprisonment, child cruelty, and more even though the family denies it. Jordan Turpin was among those that was reportedly abused in this foster care. That family, the foster family, are worse than their parents. They're, yeah. And what's really sad about this situation is that reports stated the children tried telling the foster service, the foster placement, the foster agency, that's what I'm looking for, the children tried telling the foster agency this was going on and their cries for help went ignored. Oh my God. I hope someone lost their freaking job over this and is never allowed to work near children again. Ever. Well, the situation's not much better for the, the, for the Turpin adults because they were promised all sorts of resources from the state. Oh and God. many of the Turpin adults are stating they are not receiving any resources from their state appointed guardian or whatever it was called their conservator conservator so they're also struggling in 2020 it was reported that the adult children were all living independently they were working going to school one had graduated from college <sighs> but it's really hard because while they might be trying to live a normal life Many of them are still under conservatorship or county guardianship, though some reports state that the adults at times were homeless or couch surfing because they were unable to care for themselves, basic needs denied, things of that nature. Many of them were living in unsafe neighborhoods, unable to navigate having to care for themselves, unable to manage money. They had no help from the state. There are a lot of reports that question the different ways the system failed both the adult and the Turpin children after their rescue. Many resources promised to them were never provided, including access to at least 600K worth of donations that were sent to the children to help in their care. Where the hell is it? It is under the county's care conservatorship. There is even stories of the basic needs being denied. Like one of the children, adult children requested a bike to travel to and from work. And that request mm -hmm. was denied by their appointed guardian, I guess. Also, whoever is in charge of that, go to hell. So, and just to, I, I know these, these guys are adults. I get that. But they were so sheltered. They don't have concept of how to manage money, how to run a life, having their needs met. They're learning that. So mm -hmm. it's really hard to say like, oh no, they're just getting cut off because they shouldn't be. They are under a conservatorship. Right. They do have a, like 
guardianship over them as adults because they're supposed to be learning to navigate and a lot of them are doing it on their own. They're victims and they're just being like further victimized. Yeah. So they they already have a ton of catching up to do. And they're progressing with what they're doing and they're doing great. But if you were to compare Jennifer, this might not be like the same for her right now, but if you were to compare Jennifer, she's like 34 right now to another 34 year old, she's light years behind still. Me, I'm 33. But that's exactly, that's what people are saying. She's still learning. She's also Mm -hmm. still healing. So anyways, um, I just imagine it being like taking an infant and some, or maybe a toddler, somebody that knows the bare minimum about life. And throwing them into adulthood. Exactly. And not giving them any kind of resources or anything. And furthermore, like, if I would have been one of the people to donate to this, uh, you said it was six grand that they've never seen? Six hundred thousand. Oh, okay. I would be asking my county or whoever's in charge of that, where the hell is this money going if these people are living on the streets? So it's, to my understanding, it's in trust for the children, but the children don't have access to it. Yeah, because with a trust, especially a child that's underage, they can't, you can't just go get money out of your account. You have to have like a parent or a guardian do that. And then typically they give it to them. But like, okay, so it's just, it's just hanging out until they're 18. And then what? You're literally denying an adult's request. He's not asking mm-hmm. for a car. He's asking for a bike. Yeah. To get to, from work, and all the other stuff. And you denied that request. That's a very reasonable request. Even his shitty parents gave him a bike, even if he wasn't allowed to use it. Valid. Jesus Christ, these poor kids. Yep. They're they're definitely learning the hard way. So, as of 20. 23, we know that only three minor Turpin children remain. To my understanding, they are all in a safe foster care now. They're all doing really well. Jennifer, the oldest, is reportedly working as a phlebotomist and following her passion in music and writing. She does update her life events with more than 72,000 followers on Instagram. From one of her more recent posts on Instagram, it appears that Jennifer is also now engaged. So, for you, girl. There's actually a really cute video. Oh, by the way, we follow her on Instagram now. Um, (laughs) Actually, I was getting updates and I didn't look at it because I haven't heard this story. But I noticed the names and I was like, okay, I know who they are. I'm not going to look yet. Yeah. So from what I saw, she's doing pretty dang well. She's moving on with her life and stuff. And I think that's great. Um, I'm actually going to see if I can find the video of her engagement. It It was a cute little video. Jennifer. Every one of these damn kids deserves the entire world on a platter. For sure. And let me just tell you, Jennifer is so stinking cute. She's so cute. She's got her cute little sassy haircut. She's <laughs> okay. Look oh. how cute. They're so cute. Look at her. Oh. I'm so happy for her. She looks so healthy. She does. She looks so much better. Like, she still looks teeny tiny. Yeah. But she looks healthy. And just the two of them together. Oh, she's so excited. She's 
so cute. She's the so two of cute. them together, they just look so happy. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't know y'all, uh, but I love y'all and I'm so happy for you. So cute. I know, right? Look at our little jumps. I love it. <laughs> oh my god. I love it. Oh. Them too. Anyways. They deserve the world. The whole world. Oh, for sure. For sure. So super happy for her if you guys want to follow jennifer turpin uh if you just type in jennifer turpin on instagram she should come right up uh but it is her uh username is jennifer underscore turpin 88 so joshua turpin he does keep a low profile but at the trial for david and louise it came out that he was studying to become a software engineer but there are no other updates and he does keep away from social media janetta she is an aspiring writer She's also very active on social media. She had, or at least she was very active on social media. She had over 10,000 followers on Instagram. Though when I checked the Instagram account, it appeared to have been removed. So I don't know if she just stepped away, decided it wasn't for her. But we obviously hope she's moving on. Now, Jordan Turpin, she actually began attending community college, college, working at a Taco Bell after her rescue, like after, you know, school Mm -hmm. and high school and stuff. Today, she is a TikTok personality with over 1.1 million followers on TikTok. She has over 246,000 followers on Instagram. Reports state she's also doing some modeling. She's working really hard on her own passions, including becoming a motivational speaker one day. We also follow Jordan Turpin now. Hell yeah. Um, She's so stinking cute, too. If you look at, let me just, let me just go. Um. Her handle is just Jordan underscore Turban. Mm-hmm. But just look at her with her little her little dances. Oh, oh she's so pretty. She's so stinking cute. And I know you can't hear it, but she's and so sassy. Cute. I love it. Oh yeah. She's so cute. Um, she's just got her fur baby from what I can see on everything that I looked at. She does, you know, stay in touch with her siblings. Um and I just was like, oh my gosh, you would be the best motivational speaker. I don't even care what anyone says, but what you had to do to go through yeah. getting out of the house, like having that bravery, girl, get it. I don't care. So Jordan also aspires to actually help improve the foster care system after what her and her siblings went through as well. She's got some big aspirations. Now, Jessica, Jonathan, Joy, Julianne, Janetta, James, Joanna, Jolinda, Julissa, and Jana keep a low profile. Granted, some of them are still under the age of 18. And not much is known about their whereabouts. And that's totally fine. Y'all keep it private. Do what you got to do. In an interview with Daily Mail, Teresa Robinette, one of Louisa's sisters, would state, quote, I hope they suffer as much, if not more, than those kids suffered. I hope they torture my Mm -hmm. sister for the rest of her life. Jennifer Turpin would tell 2020 that she wants the Turpin name to be remembered as a name of strength rather than one that's pity. I can't imagine how their family felt. Their, like, extended family. Their extended family was so shocked. They were like, what? Mm -hmm. So, and their extended families, West Virginia, they they have very limited things that they can do. Though I will say some of them were like, no, we'll adopt the kids. And it sounds like that was just like, nope, sorry. Which is like, why? But there could be a lot of reasons. It could very much be, um, it could very much be something where the state was like, we don't feel like that is an environment that these children should be healing mentally in because they did know you as part of their family. 
and you didn't do anything. So you might struggle to connect with them more than you think you would. I guess that does make sense. I can see that. But also um, look at where you you put them. Right. Just follow through is all I'm asking. Follow through. Yeah. <sighs> follow through and follow up. I know. Trust me. I know. Ugh. We're here. I'm just, I'm so glad this story's over because that's it. all I got on the Sherman siblings. So I will keep an eye out for any updates. Again, I'm so like, I'm so happy they're out of that situation. I am also very upset that the system is failing to help them how they need. I still want to know who took this picture of, of the, like, it's just David and um, Louise. Louise, thank you. I wanted to, I kept wanting to say Lorraine, and I'm like, that's not Lorraine. Like, that's just such an eerie picture. That's not, that's like photoshopped. So that's just two different pictures into one. That's even worse. Because it looks like they are posed. They are. I'm assuming this is when they're in prison. Um, I don't know if they're in prison or if those are mug shots. I don't remember. It's just. Oh my god. Their eyes are so uncomfortable. Let me just say Louise did not age gracefully. And thank god. Good. She deserves that karma in her life. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. So. Anyways, so that's the story or the case of the Turpin, Turpin siblings. Um, let's move on. I'm done with them. Whew. Okay. I'm happy it's all out of my brain. And I'm well, going to drink the last few inches I have. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that mine kind of starts off on a true crime. A true crime. You have paranormal, right? Like, I, I'm yes. not that drunk. Yeah, no. Like, Maybe. I sobered up while I was reading that a little bit, okay? <laughs> I didn't drink. And then Cody came in and refilled it like I was drinking it all to the freaking... <laughs> was not bottoms up in here, okay? No, I was able to find more info about um, the lawsuit that I kind of left off on last time. And I went... I, I, I went kind of You went in. Yeah, I did. I, I went in. Um, I said, you know, I wanted to start off with a little more detail. No, I got the deets. So, um, in last episode, if you didn't listen to it, why are you here? Go listen. But I talked about the government aspect of Area 51. And I did mention the lawsuit that I'm about to talk about right now. So, two men, Wally Kazza and Robert Frosty Frost were just two workers who lost their lives after being exposed to chemicals through the smoke that they used to destroy what? Through smoke, excuse me, that they used to destroy the chemicals in Area 51. Previous workers and widows of the two deceased men, they claimed that throughout the 1980s, military officers with M16 stood guard as resins, paint, solvents, and all sorts of other forms of toxic waste were collected in 55-gallon drums, dumped into trenches the size of football fields, doused with jet fuel, and set on fire with road flares. Well, that's new, road flares. Yeah, I guess, because, I mean... If your trench is the size of a football field, how else are you going to do it? Just light a road flare and, yeah. 
Meanwhile, the workers claimed that they had to keep working in this thick, poisonous cloud of smoke as the waste burned and the wind carried this towards them. Multiple people who worked at Area 51 between 1971 into the early 1990s claimed inhaling the smoke caused persistent respiratory distress, cancer, strange rashes, that, and they described these as fish scales is what they called these rashes. And it was said to be like a hard membrane on the skin. And some men even took to removing them with sandpaper because they were on their hands, arms, feet, and legs. And they were, and they were embarrassing. They didn't want you know people to see these gross fish scale-like rashes. Stella Caza and Helen Frost, the two men's widows, along with five other former employees, sued for brazen environmental crimes. Now, Wally Caza, he was a sheet metal worker at Area 51. He worked there constructing buildings, installing cooling systems, and he died in 1995 after years of coughing, cracked and bleeding skin. And this was commonly described as scaly, like the fish scales I was talking about, by multiple people, not just him and his family. And his wife said that he would bleed so much that he would stain the bed sheets and his pajamas with blood. Oh my god, no. He suffered stomach pain. Um, He was eventually diagnosed with cancer in his kidney. And he suffered so much that the doctors prescribed him morphine and it didn't even help. Over the years, yeah, I can't. I've only had morphine once when I was in labor. And uh, let me tell you, it works. Okay. (laughs) Look, even my dog is protesting. He's like, this is bullshit. How fucking dare you? Over the years, while Wally was sick, Doctors prescribed him ointments, they prescribed him antibiotics, decongestants, pain medicine, nothing helped. They could not, they they couldn't find anything that would cure him or even treat him, much less cure him. Now, Robert Frosty Frost, I couldn't find much on him. Uh, He died at 57 years old. And I did see that biopsies taken after he had passed showed a high amount of industrial toxins that are rarely ever seen in humans. Jonathan Turley, he represented the group in their lawsuit, and he talked about having to meet with Wally in secret because they were afraid of the military investigators. The federal court had his office closed and access denied, Uh, They claimed that Turley's files held classified information. He represented more than 25 workers, and he did this for no charge. All of the workers were listed as John Doe in court documents because they were terrified for someone to find out who they are because they faced 10 years in prison if they were caught disclosing anything about their jobs at the base. Even if it's Killing them? Even if it's killing them. Yep. That should be illegal. They asked in this lawsuit, they did not ask for any money. All they wanted was an apology and they wanted infos on the chemicals that were burned there so they can be medically treated. 
and um, they lost their case when the when government secrecy was upheld in court. Turley, he turned around and he requested that all his clients be granted immunity and a criminal investigation be opened. Instead of that happening, the Justice Department, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Air Force, and the White House all chose to neither deny or confirm the allegations. A few months after the lawsuit, the EPA did launch their first ever investigation at Area 51. Um, but then President Bill Clinton issued a presidential determination and he basically decreed that potential evidence related to Kaz's death is classified, top secret, a matter of national security, and that it is, quote, in the paramount interest of the United States that none of it be disclosed. So after, uh, because of this determination, the United States Air Force did not release the results of that EPA investigation. Okay, first of all, that just makes everyone think you're doing some real sketchy shit. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry, if you can't tell people about it, mm -hmm. it, it sounds real sketchy. Granted, I think people will react well to someone actually coming out and being like, oh, by the way, we have aliens, and then, like, showing national TV. Like, if the president came out and was like, first of all, if Joe Biden came out and he was like, guys, we have aliens. And then he stood next to an alien that was, like, speaking in his native tongue. And then all of a sudden a spaceship came down. Like, people would lose their fucking minds, right? I get that. I get to an extent. But when we're talking about the health of the people, all they fucking mm -hmm. want to know is what the fuck they need to do to be treated. Yeah. they all. That's all they wanted. What kind of chemicals were burning so doctors could treat them for that chemical. And no, they literally let people die instead of being like, all right, fine, it was arsenic, or whatever, I don't know. Even, okay, but again, I said this last time, why couldn't they have gotten a doctor on the base that was able to treat those conditions still mm -hmm. under that same secrecy, but then your people are getting the care that they fucking need? Like, I have no idea. If it's big of a secret, if it is mm -hmm. that big of a secret, give the right resources. Yeah. But no, instead, we just, this, no. Look, I know that the government has plenty of money to get one fucking doctor on that base that can treat whatever the fuck is going on. Oh, well, see, the problem with that was that that base didn't exist. Uh, true. Yeah. Well, okay, that doctor didn't need to, to, to not exist. They could have been there, okay? They, secrecy, mm -hmm. it's fine, okay? And the reason I knew so much about Wally is because his wife, Stella, she she spoke um, to a newspaper. I believe it was in Tampa, Florida. Uh, she spoke to a newspaper and basically came out and said, like, my my husband was real. She was like, you know, we for years we were married. We lived together. We ate together. He was real. And he worked on this base that is real. She was like this. Th all I want is. All they wanted was validation. Like, her husband had already died at this point. Like, she just wanted them to recognize that, I guess, basically, he like died he at their person. hands. Yeah. Yeah. She said that it felt like he was just indispensable the way that he left. Um. So, that's the that on that. Now, about the aliens. 
Area 51 being connected to aliens, that can be traced back to May of, excuse me, May 1989. And this Las Vegas TV station, they aired a broadcast on the five o'clock news. And it showed this anonymous individual, you know, it had the silhouette and he was like blacked out. An anonymous individual who went by the name of Dennis. And Dennis had some shit to say. Dennis is like, listen, guys, I got some shit to tell everyone. And they can't know it's me. Change my voice. Change my appearance. I'll put on a fat mm-hmm. suit, guys. Do what you got to do. Put on a fat suit. Yes. <laughs> I can't do 10 years in the pen, man. Trust me, the fat suit's going to throw them off. They're going to see this big old... <laughs> They all had. Dennis got on there and he claimed that he worked firsthand with alien technology at Area 51. This is the first we'd ever heard of this. He claimed that he worked with, with and on gravity propulsion systems and antimatter reactor power systems. And at the time he's saying this, This wasn't just like sci-fi stuff. Like nobody had heard of this stuff. So, you know, people are going to take that either one of two ways. What's the antimatter thing? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. We just (laughs) expect you guys all to know what they are. I'm glad. I'm really glad you asked that actually, because I have no idea. And what was it? Antimatter. Reactor power systems. I don't know what antimatter is. It sounds like not matter. I don't know what it is either. And Google's not giving me a clear answer. So sorry. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, it makes me think that it's like a, a disintegration type thing, like antimatter. You're no longer matter. See, that's what I think of. Everything that I'm reading is say, saying like it doesn't exist or it can't exist. And I'm like, I don't. But what is it? Uh, do you want to know what Britannica says? Yeah, what does Britannica say? <clears throat> so antimatter is a substance composed of subatomic particles that have the mass, electric charge, and magnetic moment of the electrons, protons, and neutrons of ordinary matter, but for which the electric charge and magnetic moment are opposite in sign. Who followed that? Anybody? Because I was reading it and I don't know. It's got something to do with atoms. Something to do with atoms and electrons protons and they're backwards i guess listen all i heard was blah 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 blah. but then my brain went to tiktok and there's a tiktok where it's like aliens are already among us and it just shows a bunch of cats like the cats are the aliens and i couldn't agree more you know what yeah that's probably why my cat's so unhappy no it's probably not why it's... all cats are so unhappy my cat's unhappy because i have a dog my cat's unhappy because I do shit like this. <laughs> Look at me. Oh, if you could see her face, I'm getting the death stare. <laughs> see, I'm the first one she's killing. For now. I'm the first I'm the first one she's killing when the cat overlords come <laughs> down and be like, oh, by the way, we're the aliens. <laughs> oh, we should have asked Dennis what antimatter was. Dennis, God damn it, Dennis. Damn you should have explained that better. Um, He also told a story about being, he was at Area 51 and he was left in a room with all these different files and paperwork. Obviously, he's going to read them. And they described all sorts of alien stuff. Like, 
you name it, autopsies, technology, spaceships. If you can think of it, he read it that day in those documents. He was having the best day of his life that day. That was absolutely the day I would have been fired because I would have told everybody about what I did at work. And I, 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 told, I would have been like passing to the hallway and been like, hey, George, George, have you been in room 263 today? Going there. There's pretty good shit in there. See yeah, you later. You Let me know what that. you learned. You didn't hear it from me. Yeah. You didn't see me at all. Yeah. I'll catch you at the water cooler at 2.30. But I would tell everyone. I'd be like, hey, guys, head mm-hmm. over. But you got to add in that, like, you didn't hear it from me. You didn't hear it from me. Uh-uh. I would actually be like, hey, um, did you hear a rumor there's birthday cake in room 2769, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, you should go grab some. And then when they came back later, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Wrong room <laughs> number. I'm at conference room. Dang. Like, that would be me so that I couldn't get in trouble. <laughs> but did you see what was on the desk? <laughs> you did? Okay, let's, let's talk about Flargnarg because... Let's mm-hmm. just talk about how rude it was of Flargnarg to just kidnap a child or something and fly off. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, for real. Like, what was he thinking? Oh, we know what he was thinking. He didn't keep that child long anyway. Yeah. He screamed too loud. He dropped him off. It's fine. It wasn't even a child. It was Travis Walton. Who? You don't remember that episode? Travis Walton? Yeah. No. He's, he was abducted by aliens. That's where we came up with Flargnard. I did I not remember his name. That That's the fucking alien on our our, our whole cover. Not Flargnard. I remember him. I don't remember no, I Travis know. Walton. But I'm saying that's the case that we came up with Flargnard. Obviously, all I remember <laughs> him is, is Flargnard. And his joyride. Yes. Okay. I remember the important stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Um, oh, so he also, Dennis also talked about hand scanners at the base. And you would scan your hand in order to get into specific rooms. But it didn't like, it didn't just scan your hand. It scanned the bone structure of your hand and identified you that way. That's a bit much. That's what, what I if, thought. What if but, you break a bone? That changes your bone structure. Yeah, but doesn't it also just make it even more noticeable? That's like, oh, you know what? I bet that's Dennis. Dennis broke his second metacarpal when he was 24 years old. And that looks like a a healed fracture. No, I mean, like, in the sense of, like, while you're working there, if you have to scan your hand and then you, like, fall after running out of room, whatever, because someone said there was birthday cake. um, And you break your finger on your fall. Like, you now have to get, like, new credentials for your new hand. I bet it's, like, whenever you change your last name and then you have to email HR all the stuff. Like, look, these are the x-rays. I can't get to work anymore. Can y'all please fix this? And it probably takes an eternity. You probably have to go in, like, the Social Security office and you just sit there (laughs) waiting for hours. And then they call you back for 30 seconds. Yeah. And then it takes two weeks for them to mail it to you. What's crazy about this is uh, this was later proven true. It was in a declassified file. So I really want to know how it works. Um, So here's the thing. Dennis, he didn't just talk about spaceships and probes and flying saucers. 
He also talked about the kind of boring stuff that would go on, like the day-to-day things. And this gave credibility to his story because before the government just took back Freedom Hill, people could see these things happening themselves on base. So a lot of people were like, well, maybe he really does know what he's talking about. Like, maybe this guy's legit. Maybe antimatter actually exists and he knows what it is. They were like, we actually saw him walking along the base. So he wasn't in his fat suit then, but we saw that shadow. We saw through the makeup. Yeah, we know. Yeah, and the latex. A few months later, Dennis revealed that his name was Bob Lazar. And he told them that he was working to reverse engineer this technology that he was working with. And he continued to talk about what was going on at the base. He described that he was giving exclusive access to the spaceship to reverse engineer the inner workings so the Pentagon could eventually duplicate the technology. And he continued to tell this story over the years. There are countless interviews. I cannot tell you how many interviews I watched of Bob Lazar. Do uh, like, just... fuck your secrecy. Yeah, he, he really, well, I don't know how he talked about it for this long and lived to continue talking about it. I think he's magic. I'm not sure. But he described how the UFOs fly. He says it's not like science fiction movies. He described them as, this is a quote, flying with the belly or the bottom forward. So it rotates. Yeah, so it rotates and then the the bottom part. Take your dinner plate and just hold it upright. But make sure you eat all your mashed potatoes first. But yeah. But, like, how do you sit in a seat? How does Flognog stay seated? They get strapped in, obviously. Or maybe it has something to do with, like, a gravitational system. The antimatter. No, you talked about a gravitational system, didn't you? Probably. Something. Yes. Where did God before the antimatter shit? It was something about gravity. Uh, gravity propulsion system. Yeah, something like that, right? Something yeah. similar could keep it, them up, right? Yeah, you know what? That's probably what it, it propels them into their chairs. Propels them? You mean propels? Uh, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, that's why. I, <laughs> that's why I hesitated so hard because I was like, "Do I finish this or do I correct myself?" Let's just go with it. It propels them into <laughs> the chair. Propels. Yeah, that's that system specifically. So supporters claim that this can be seen in the gimbal UFO footage. It was released by the Pentagon in 2017. Uh, Basically, the Navy encountered a fleet of aircrafts flying similarly off the coast of Florida in 2015. And people will take this footage and be like, hold on a second. He was, that's what this guy said like years ago. Uh, He was also known to take people out at a very specific time. He would go out at this time on Wednesday nights to see lights in the sky that were very UFO-esque. And he knew exactly what time it happened and which part of the sky you needed to look at to be able to see it. So so people were pretty much, they were kind of split down the middle. You've got your people that are like, you know what? This guy, he knows what he's talking about. And then you've got the ones that are like, no, he's full of crap. He made it all up for publicity. And... Lazar, he claimed that he owned a business. He does. He owned a business. It doesn't make sense to lie about this stuff because it would 
potentially negatively affect his business. And him and his wife, they do own a business. They own United Nuclear Scientific Equipment and Supplies. Hard to say. Shrink but it I'll down. Write. Shrink yeah. it down. Okay. Give us an acronym, something. Uh, UNSES, Un- UNSES. They own UNSES. And it's a scientific equipment and supply store in Klamath Falls, Oregon. He opened this with his wife in 1998. And he's saying, you know, like, this would ruin my business. I'm not lying. Right. And then the skeptics came back. And the skeptics are like, oh, hold on. Um, they, they brought up his criminal background to further kind of attack his character and add to their disbelief. And he does kind of have a, he's got a little bit of a record on him. In 1990, he was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. He pled guilty to felony plandering, and he served 150 hours of community service. He had to stay away from brothels and undergo psychotherapy. You know how old he would have been at the time? I can find out. 31. I was going to say that's not very old, but that's kind of fucked up, dude. Like, mm -hmm. Not a fan of that information. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to get worse. Oh, cool. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to hear. So, In 2006, both Lazar and his wife were charged with violating the Federal Hazardous Substances Act in 2006. What the fuck is that act? The Federal Hazardous Substances Act? Is that in relation to their business? Yes. They were busted shipping restricted chemicals across state lines. And they pled guilty. United Nuclear, the business, pled guilty to three counts. Introducing banned hazardous substances into interstate concert, commerce. Aiding and abetting the introduction of banned hazardous substances into interstate commerce. And then finally... In 2007, United Nuclear was fined $7,500 for violating a law prohibiting the sale of chemicals and components used to make illegal fireworks. That hurts my head, all of it. <laughs> so basically, people are either, Bob Lazar is a trusted UFOlogist, or he's a tinfoil hat-wearing loon. Kind of. Can he, can't he be both? I feel like he can be both, yeah. Uh, April 27th, we're doing a big jump here, okay? April 27th, 2020, the United States government kind of gave him and his claims a little bit of credit, probably accidentally. The Department of Defense released a statement in regards to historical Navy videos that had been previously declassified. And one of the videos was taken in November 2004 and released in 2007. The other two videos were taken in January of 2015 and released in 2017. All three videos show what the government calls a UAP, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. That is the government's way of saying UFO. I don't know why they have to have their special thing. It's a UFO. We all know what a UFO is. I don't know. Well, the government doesn't want to tell anyone that they're right, so it's a UAP. It, it, yeah, I guess so. So that's why they they just made up their own thing. You know what? Might as well. They released these three videos. Well, they had previously released these three videos, excuse me. But they came out 
and released a statement that cleared up years of public scrutiny on whether or not the videos were real. So basically the government's or the Department of Defense, they were like, yes, those are Navy videos. No, there's nothing more to them. And the UAP in the video is still unidentified. We still have no idea what it is. Is this the Tic Tac incident? That was, yeah. Okay. One, well, that was one of the videos, yeah. But that one specifically, that's the photo that I have posted. And July 20th, 2023. So like yesterday, y'all. July 20th, 2023. Devin Dwyer with ABC News conducted an interview with Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. He's a scientist and military intel officer in charge of the UAP task force called All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO. I don't know why that, it's just, that doesn't, it's so Everything has to be so difficult. So complicated. So, so people don't remember it. That's why they're like, it's a UAP because, you know, no one's going to remember that. No, it's a UAP it. because the AARO tells us that it, whatever. Anyway. They have investigated over 800 cases of strange sightings over the past few decades. And <laughs> Dr. Kirkpatrick claims that the vast majority of these reports are, un- are explainable. They are weather balloons, drones, debris, animals such as large birds. And I literally have in my notes, leave owls alone. We have talked about this before. They've been through enough. The owls haven't done anything. They haven't done maybe anything the, but owled. Maybe the owls are the aliens. Oh shit! Hold on. I think I just cracked this case wide open. I that's think why that's the what we got. Everyone blames owls. We got to call Arrow. We got to let him know. Like y'all are <laughs> really overlooking something here, right? Uh, Doctor Kirkpatrick did go on to say that, however. About 2 to 5% of the cases are unexplainable, including the 2004 Tic Tac incident. Now, the next week, so we're, we're still in late July 2023, there was a tiny little <clears throat> congressional hearing um, on UFOs just last month. No big deal. And three major people were witnesses and testified at this hearing. Retired Air Force Major David Grush. This guy was all about some aliens. I like him. He's cool. He was his agency's co-lead on UAPs. He reported to both the UAP task force and AARO. And for years, he said that reliable people had been confiding in him. And not only were these people trustworthy, they had... They brought him sworn, uh, they brought him sworn oil, oral statements. They brought him pictures, official documents, like they had stuff to back up their claims. In 2019, he was asked to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs. While he was gathering this info, it wasn't clear on what that was, but I'm imagining like a big list and a lot of pencil shavings or something like that. Cause I imagine this would take a lot of time in the government because they love their programs. While gathering the info, he was informed of multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program. So 
so Grush was like, hey, I need info on this. And they were like, <laughs> no. So he did what any grown Air Force major would do, and he tattled on them. Oh, okay. Is that what we do? <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's what I would okay. do. Okay. So does that mean we get a pass when we, like, tattled on our siblings growing up? Because I was the biggest tattletale. I'll say it. Um, kind of makes you a narc, but. You know what? My brother and sister deserve it. Oh, well, that's different. I was always told it's not tattling if it's wrong. You know what? All I know is they they still deserve to be tattled on to this day. <laughs> well, nobody's immune, even the government. Good. Grush told his supervisors and multiple inspectors general he became a whistleblower. And we love him for that, by the way, because now the world knows something's up. Like, we always kind of thought something was up, but now we know something's up. Right. He didn't go to detail in his statement, but he did say, quote, I have suffered retaliation for my decision. I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead to a positive outcome of increased transparency. And he did say, I just said he didn't go into detail, but um, he did say that it was very brutal and very unfortunate. Some of the tactics they used to hurt me both professionally and personally. He described the retaliation as administrative terrorism. And he said he has feared for his life at times since coming forward. So snaps for retired Major David Grush. Because Grush didn't just stop there either. He reported non-human biological matter from the pilots of the crafts were collected and he said that that was the assessment of people with direct knowledge on the UAP program I talked to that are still currently on the program. Is this in 2023? Uh-huh. Okay. So basically he got up there and he's like, hey, the government has non-human biological matter, and they ain't telling us what it is. So I do want to add to that, though, for any skeptics, non-human biologics could be like a bird. Or an alien. It, yes, but my point is, is that it doesn't necessarily mean an alien with that wording. It does just say something that's not human, which dog, cat, bird, mouse, you know, all these different things. I still maintain, like, because I don't know, in my mind, like, if it was that kind of matter, you know, if this is like a spaceship fell out of the sky and it hit a seagull on the way down, we would know that that was seagull matter. I'm just saying, the government didn't even want to admit to Area 51, so why would they admit to having seagull matter, so? (laughs) Either way, I'm all about, call them out, bro. Uh, defense Defense Department spokeswoman Susan Susan I don't know how to say her last name Gal Susan Hi Susan Susan It's Susan um, <laughs> spokeswoman spokeswoman Susan She issued a statement saying that the Pentagon has looked into these claims and could find no verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession of reverse engineering 
or extraterrestrial matters have existed in the past or currently. Um, I don't like Susan. I don't trust Susan. This is just me. This is my personal opinion Susan's here. just doing her job. Exactly. Her job for the Pentagon. And, like, if the government has hidden this shit for decades, why would I believe you now? She she probably even knows. Like, nobody's gonna believe this. And they're like, Susan, get the fuck out there and tell them the script. She's like, but nobody's gonna believe me. And they're like, just God do damn it, it Susan. Just do, get say out it with conviction and they'll believe you. She's like, I'll say it with something. And then she got back and they were like, not enough, Susan. You're fired. Did she get fired? I don't know. Oh. They I don't were probably so. like, great job, Susan. Thanks for fucking <laughs> finally doing it. Thanks she's for like, nothing. Know and you know what? They're like, she's like, you know, none of them believe us, right? And they're like, you don't know that. No, here's the real thing. Susan is an alien. That sounds right. Yeah. Former Navy pilot. No, no, no. Hold on. Susan is up. the non-human biologics. That's the matter. Susan. Susan's Susan. non-human biologic matter. Susan, you could have just come out and told us. Yeah, you could have just took your mask off right then and there. And I was going to say we would have been fine, but no, chaos probably would have ensued. So. Yeah, I think the millennials would be fine in the sense that we're like, fuck it, whatever. What's next? Yeah, but the boomers, they would have been like, I knew I should have kept that damn, uh, what did they call it? The bomb shelter. Yeah. The boomers are probably like, I'm so glad I still have my bomb shelter. <laughs> Former Navy fighter pilot Ryan Graves and retired commander David Fravor, they also testified at this congressional hearing. Graves was flying an F-18 off the coast of Virginia Beach in 2014 when he saw a dark gray or black cube inside of a clear sphere. He said that this was between 5 and 15 feet in diameter and it could remain still despite hurricane force winds and it was unlike any aircraft he has ever seen. He claimed... Furthermore, that UAPs were not rare or isolated in that area. His squadron that he was flying with that day, they submitted a safety report, but they received no official acknowledgement of the incident. Since then, he has gone on to create Americans for Safe Aerospace, and it's a group that supports pilots that have reported UAPs. And he says that the objects military and commercial pilots are reporting are performing maneuvers that are unexplainable due to our current understanding of our technology and our capabilities as a country. Finally, retired Navy Commander David Fravor, he personally witnessed what's known as the TikTok incident. Nope. What's known as... The TikTok incident. He TikTok incident. He TikTok it on the ticker talker. He he did a little dance in front of it. He was like, "Yeah, get it, girl." He witnessed the TikTok incident in California in 2004, and this was part of the video released by the Pentagon in 2020. He described seeing a white tic tac shaped UAP 
with three other service members emerge off the coast of San Diego. He said that there were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any visible flight control surfaces like wings. It was just a tic-tac, a big tic-tac in the air, flying. Uh, Commander Fravor claimed that as they tried to get closer to the aircraft, it rapidly accelerated and disappeared right in front of our aircraft, leaving no detectable turbulence. Um, also, guys, don't mind that smell. I just shit myself. That's what that was. Because if I saw this thing flying at me and then disappear all of a sudden, oh my god. I'd, I'd be like going to a therapist being like, look, I think I might be schizophrenic or something. I'm hallucinating all sorts of shit. Yeah. So I'm gonna need something. I'm gonna need something and it's gonna be, str- I need something strong. Stronger than what I'm on. Come on now. Commander Fravor went on to say the technology that we faced was far superior than anything that we had. I'm not a UFO fanatic, but what we saw with four sets of eyes, we have nothing close to it. It was incredible technology. Fravor said it was years before anybody followed up on what happened that day. And even then, nothing happened. They were just like, eh, okay. Basically, listen to it. Shut up. Yeah, they were like, you saw saw nothing. Area 51 isn't real, and you didn't see Jack. And Susan didn't lie. Didn't see TikTok. She is the one that is... Have you seen Susan without her mask on? Don't. You don't want to. That's just her alien Camry. It's fine. She didn't hit you. It's registered. Chill out. God. Freaking hell. Basically, what the congressional hearing is about is we, the people of the United States of America, want to know about the damn alien bodies y'all got in storage. We want to know. Yes, we do. I don't. You don't? Are you insane? I want to know what's there. I it's more, I don't want to know what was done to them. Oh, oh God, no, that I don't want to do. No. But I just want to hear you say like. Okay, fine. They're real. Just tell me. But then the, they're going to have to be accountable for the things that they did to them. That's Accountability is always going to come around. I hate to be the one to tell you. But it's coming. Not if, not if they keep it a fucking secret. You can't forever. You can't. If they can do it as long as possible. True. Congress, as well as Grush, Graves, and Fravor, are all calling for more. I did, however, just think about when we do make contact with the aliens. Think Uh about how many more true crime and paranormal stories we're going to get out of it. Oh. And a lot of people in insane asylums, not going to have to be there anymore. No, no, no. I'm just thinking, like, when we finally all understand each other, we get the aliens technology. If that's the route that's going. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Here are all of our articles. Here are our podcast people. They're fucking insane like you guys. You guys will get along. We'll oh, be talking about the like, aliens, true crime, and paranormal stuff. Oh, I'm so excited. You know what? One of their paranormals is probably like, Flargnarg went on, out on a ride and came back with this really weird creature. And we told him just to toss it out. Toss it out the window. 
Cody. And he did, and then it just rolled down the moon. And it just it landed on Earth. Yeah. And so, that's how sorry. that's how we got our donkey back. Exactly. They backed that ass up. Oh, uh, Congress, as well as Groosh Graves and Fravor, are calling for more transparency and less stigma about reporting these incidents and encouraging people to come forward. I read this quote by the ex-Navy pilot, Ryan Graves, and I wanted to end with it because I feel like it's just a great quote. I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and safety issue this topic represents. If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are a concern for flight safety. The American people deserve to know what is happening in our skies. It is long overdue. Hear ye, hear ye. And that is all I got on Area 51. For now. For now. Because Amanda and I already spoke about this. Because there's some conspiracy theories from Area 51. Yes, there's a butt ton. This is a very short, I know it was two episodes, but very short Area 51 overview. Yeah. Let's be honest, before I knew she was doing Area 51, I was I found a conspiracy theory that I am doing research on. <laughs> I already told Amanda what it is, so she mm-hmm. knows at least. I don't know that you know the full story of it, but I'm doing it. No, I didn't look into it. So by the way, Area 51 next week, too. <laughs> and so three third-parters. Kind of. Yeah. Point is, is that Area 51 is totally there. We're still going to go and spray paint Janet to have Janet on there. She needs some flair. Yeah. She got more than just a red stripe. Come on. Yeah. What is she, alcohol? No. We already know. Might as well. Yeah. Zhuzh her up some. Come on. It's okay. We're going to be arrested so hard because they're like, if you so much as purchase spray paint, we're going to think you're going for Janet. I'm already on a list, so at this point, I could just buy it on uh, on Amazon and have it delivered, and, <laughs> and just meet him at the house. Just be like, "All right, here, cuff me, cuff me. I'm ready to go." Yeah, that's gonna be the day that you've had it with Annie, and you're like, "I purchase six thousand cans of paint," and then <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have uh the the feds. Area 51 people. Susan, she's probably there to monitor too. <laughs> Just knocking on your door. Like, my Google search history. My Google search history is going to be how many cans of spray paint does it take to cover a Boeing passenger plane? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to be like, are you sure you didn't plan to cover the Boeing? You're like, yeah, I want to. Janet, here I come. They're like, I didn't do that. It had to have been my child. Yeah, she takes my phone. I would all never. The time. They'll just put you in a padded room. That sounds nice. Or ah, at least that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I could do with a padded room. That sounds comfy. It's like living inside a bed. Yeah, because they're gonna be like, she's crazy anyways. So just throw yeah. her in there. No one's gonna believe her about Janet. We've secured the paint cans. We're good to go. Call Susan. Tell her to stop worrying. Tell Susan to put her mask back on. She can go make another statement. We're good to go. Sounds great. Sign me up for the padded room. Done. Done. 
All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Helen Hills podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Helen Hills podcast, X, Helen Hills pod, or Facebook by searching Helen Hills podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, shake, like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at helenhillspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.